tell one neighbor something good God has done for you. Just tell one neighbor something good God has done for you. Confirm his goodness. Excellent job, choir, music department. All right. Now, because I know he's been better than that, and we're a friendly church, stay up on your feet. Find, find another person. Share a second testimony of just how, how good God's been to you. All right. I think you got one more in you. Remain standing. I think you got one more in you. Come on, one for the Father, one for the, for the Holy Ghost, one for Jesus. Come on, share with somebody else how good God's been to you. And then one last time before we seat it, can we just give God all the praise for his goodness? Come on, can we open up our mouths and give God all the praise for his goodness? He's been so good to us. You can be seated. We started on last week uh, a series, three or four week series on the subject of victory. And there, there are really two truths I want to share with you today that I woke up and they both were just in my spirit. You know, I don't care what you're going through right now. You have victory right now. That was, uh, let me, uh, let's start this service over again, that portion of the service. I said, I don't care what you're going through or what situation you're in right now. You absolutely have victory. Absolutely. The second truth to that is that victory, because it's in the Word of God, is always progressive. So you're not going from where you are to, to failure. You're going from victory to victory. So it's progressing in your life. So wherever you're at right now, God is taking you to greater levels of victory. Somebody ought to thank Him for that right now greater levels than what you're currently experiencing. And so, go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, chapter 15. We're going to read our foundation text, which is found in verse 57. Of course, we never start at verse 57. I'll give you a brief synopsis of everything that he said up to that point. Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, is really convincing them about the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he draws this conclusion. He says to them that if Christ did not come, if he did not die, if he was not raised from the grave, then all of our preaching is in vain and our faith is in vain. And then he says this powerful statement, and we are yet still in our sins. That'll kind of lead us in a direction for today because if he did, right, then our preaching is not in vain. Our faith is not in vain. Watch this. And we are no longer in our sins. And he really kind of makes a declaration in verse 57. Let's all read it together. He says, but thanks be to God. Somebody say that with me. Say, but thanks be to God. Come on, who gets all the thanks? Who gets all the glory? Who gets all the praise? Who is the one that is good and he is good all the time? Every victory that you have in your life, all thanks and glory belongs to God it never belongs to us. He says, but thanks be to God, thanks be to God who gives us the victory. So notice, victory is not something that you earn. Victory is something that you receive, just like your salvation, right? It is by grace, through faith, that we are saved. Everything works that way. It's because God is good, 
We put our faith in that goodness that we're saved and we have victory in every single area of our lives. Folks, I don't know about you. I am thankful for the victory that I'm walking in right now, but I know it is nothing close to where God is taking me. I'm so excited about my future. I don't know what to do. And you should be too. So it says, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory. So it is a gift from God. And all you can do with a gift is receive it. But he says a powerful statement here. It's through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that word through there in the Greek means channel. So in other words, Jesus Christ, our Lord, wherever you make him Lord in your life, then he becomes the channel by which we can have victory in any area of our lives. How many know we just can't love him as a Savior? We also have to make him Lord in every area of our lives. And wherever he is Lord, which simply means wherever you put him first, how many know you already have the victory? So if you want blessings and victory consistently in your finances, put him first in it. Right? If you want blessings and victory consistently in your marriage, put him first in it. If you want blessings and victory consistently in your children, then put him first where your children are concerned. Because it's through that channel where we make Jesus Christ the Lord of our lives that it secures the victory that's already been provided that we get to walk in daily. I'm glad it's not a once a year type of thing. I'm glad I get to live in this every single day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. On last week, we talked about really in point number one, the death and sufferings of Jesus Christ. And I submit to you today, he did not go through all of that for you to stay the same. I believe he he went through all of that suffering so that we could change and be different on the other side of, of what it is that we now believe in. Let's pick up point number two today. We won't need to go backwards to go forwards today. Today we're going to look at the death, burial, and resurrection And we're going to look at the why behind his coming. We're going to look at the why behind. Because his coming had purpose. His death, his burial, his resurrection had purpose. He didn't just do that. He didn't take that beating just because he wanted to. He did it for a reason. And I think today uh, we'll fully understand that. What I want to challenge you to do today is really follow along. You version Bible app. Look at all of these verses for yourself today. I wouldn't believe anything I'm getting ready to say to you because a pastor said it. Believe it because it's in the Word of God and you saw it for yourself. As a matter of fact, you should fact check everything that I'm getting ready to tell you today because it'll take faith to receive it and it will take faith to believe it. So now, let's go and let's look at 1 John or let's look at John chapter 1. John chapter 1. We know that really Jesus accomplished many wonderful things in his few years on earth. But really what we're going to talk about today, I believe, is his defining moment. Just like how Michigan beat uh, Houston on last night uh, with with, with like 3.4 seconds on the clock. Not a good example. What about how Alabama beat Georgia on that last? That's really not a good one right there. Let me just leave all of those examples away and get back to the Word of God. This was the defining moment, I believe, in Jesus' life. Defining moment. Now, let me just say this about Georgia before we get there. I need your prayers. My daughter, uh, man, that's her dream school, and she's worked hard to get into that school. 
Uh, she's got nothing less than an 88 on anything, that, uh, her grades in high school. The challenge with that school is last year they accepted over 5,000 students, and none of them had below a 3.8. She's right at about a 3.9, which, believe it or not, is still uh, not high enough for a school like that. And so out of the 26,000 26, applicants, uh, they only accept 5,000 new students. Uh, and so a bunch of her friends got denied, uh, and she got uh, put on a waiting list. So I encouraged her, because I'm the ultimate optimist. I said, listen, babe, delay is not denial. I said, what they said to you is that we've accepted you. We just got to wait on the spot to open up for you. And so if I can just get all of your prayers, get you all in agreement with me, that her application will go from wherever it's at right to the top of the list because that would be a dream come true for her. And she will get her formal acceptance into the University of Georgia. And it's at that point that I will officially become a fan. <laughs> Kirby Smart, I might wear Georgia gear every Sunday that I preach in. And I'm getting an apartment in Athens so I can be close to my daughter. St. <laughs> John chapter 1. We know right at the top of that, it's in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, right? Verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Who was that? That was Jesus. And then in verse 19, you'll see John the Baptist come onto the scene, and John the Baptist's assignment was to testify and share the testimony of the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Of course, the Jews have been looking for this Savior, so they send the Pharisees and, 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 and Levites and scribes to John the Baptist to ask John the Baptist, are you the one? And John the Baptist says, no, I'm not the one, right? Then they said they thought that he was Elijah. Are you Elijah? Or are you one of the prophets? Are you a sent one? And John the Baptist says, I am not the one, but the one who's coming is greater than I am. Matter of fact, I'm not even worthy to unlatch or untie his shoes, and he's talking about the one that's coming. And then on the next day, let's pick the story up in verse 29, John the Baptist begins to declare purpose. He sees, sees Jesus coming, and he declares purpose here in verse 29. He says, the next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him, and he said, behold, look, the Lamb of God, watch this now, who takes away the sin of the world. Now, I'm going somewhere with this today. So, John the Baptist begins to declare the purpose for why he came, which is to take away the sins of the world, not just the sins of everyone in this room, but to put on him the sins of the entire world so we would no longer have to struggle with sin another day in our lives. And you're going to see very clearly today, a true born-again believer does not struggle with sin. They don't do it. Watch this now. This word takes away here is so important, and I'll prove it today. The Scripture tells us in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established, right? So I want to teach you something here if you're a Bible student. Anytime you see the same word in the same context. You can't see it in a different context, but you see the same word with the same meaning in the same context. You can form doctrine off of that. 
That, that means we can put all of our stock in this because this is a doctrinal truth that we can have and live for the rest of our lives, okay? And so follow that thought as we look at this today, okay? You'll notice he said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away. That phrase takes away in the Greek literally means away with, it means to remove, it means to carry, and it means to put away, right? And the best illustration I can give you, I don't know if you've ever paid something off before and had that debt removed, carried away. Come on, somebody. One of the best feelings in the world is when you get that confirmation letter saying that the credit card has been fully paid off. You, you own the furniture, whatever it is now. And how many know once it's been carried away, once it's been removed, then you no longer owe anything for it. I don't know if you've ever paid a car off before. But I can tell you, man, when you get that confirmation letter and the bank sends you your title a few days later, every time that's ever happened to me, that car seems to drive differently at that point. I don't care how old it is, how many miles, it rides like a brand new vehicle. Anybody in here know what I'm talking about? Man, it's just something about it. The tires ride, the gas goes in smoother. It's, everything about it is different because why? The debt has been removed. And it would be foolish on your part or my part to go pay another bill on something that's already been paid. Okay? Now, if you've been fortunate enough to, to pay off a home and that mortgage has been canceled, man, listen, you walk in that house completely different. You put that key in there, you go in there like... The lights in there shine a little differently. Come on, anybody here know what I'm talking about? The stove works differently. You go to the refrigerator. Is this a brand refrigerator 10 years old? This is a ref brand new refrigerator. Everything seems new. Watch this now because the mortgage has been canceled. It would be foolish on your part or mine to go and pay another mortgage payment on something that's been removed. No different than if I'm struggling with sin. It's foolish for me to struggle with something that has literally been taken away. Stay with this thought today. Go with me to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3, and it's interesting that God's given this revelation to John, who was a pastor. John chapter 3, or 1 John chapter 3. When you get there, say amen. And let's begin reading on your outline. If you're following with the Version Bible app, you'll see it starts at verse 4. We're going to back up to verse 1 and look at what it said. Now, I do that on purpose so that you all don't go to church like you're watching a movie. But that you follow along and take notes. Remember, it's one thing to believe it because I said it. It's a whole other thing to believe it because you read it for yourself and took notes on it, went home, left here, studied it for yourself, and made it your own revelation. All right, look at 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Anybody in here glad to be called a child of God? Now, let's just look at this for a moment, okay? If any of us were a child of Bill Gates, we would not struggle with money. 
right or wrong? Because we're a child of Bill Gates, and Bill Gates has a lot of money. Listen to this. There's no way a child of God can struggle with sin if God is their father. Because he removed it. I'm building you towards something today. Right? See, in the kingdom, it's either you are or you aren't. There's no in-between. I'm just going to take a break from God. How do you do that? And stay saved. Let's keep reading. Watch this now. So, behold, look, what manner of love, what manner of love is this the Father has placed on us that we should be called children of God? Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. And that's why you should not be offended at work, school, gym, when people don't want to be around you. It has nothing to do with you. It's just your light is shining so bright that it's dispelling all the darkness that's around you. They can't really handle the light and the level that you're on, so they'd rather talk about it. Come on, somebody. Do whatever they can to try to dim that light, but don't let anybody dim your light. You just keep on shining and expect that the world's not going to like you because God is in you. It's just a part of it. Just don't let that puff you up. Use that light to bless and encourage other people, okay? Watch this now. So don't be alarmed when the world doesn't love you or know you because it didn't know him either. Beloved, now we are children of God in verse 2. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, talking about at his second coming, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. Watch this now. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself. The word purify means to sanctify or to set themselves apart. All of us should not be living in light of the death, burial, and resurrection. I mean, we thank God for that. But all of us are supposed to be living in light of his return and looking forward to his return not looking back at his death, burial, and resurrection. All right? And it says that everyone that has that hope in them, they purify themselves. So they consistently set themselves apart from the world. We're not talking about perfection here. We're talking about consistency. Day by day, they get better and better, and their lives start to look more and more like who they're becoming instead of where they came from. But watch this. They never stay the same. I cannot get saved and look like I looked when I got saved. Every week there should be progression. Everybody still with me out there? So everyone that has that hope in them, they set themselves apart every single day, just as he is pure. Their goal is to look more and more like him every single day, right? Every day I'm getting up and I'm looking in the mirror of the Word of God and I'm trying to become more like him today. I didn't do the, the best job yesterday, but today is a new day for me to get better. Yeah. Everybody see that? Now look at verse 4. And this is where put the New King James Version up or, or the King James Version up of verse 4. I'll stay in the New King James Version, but I want to see you, show you something because it's going to set up everything else that we're going to say today. New King James Version says, Whosoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is 
lawlessness or sin is the breaking of the law or the breaking of the commandments or the breaking of the Word of God, right? And whoever commits that also commits lawlessness. So in other words, they live based off of something other than the Word of God as a lifestyle. King James Version says, whosoever committeth sin. So you see that TH on the back of committeth? That's referring to habitually or someone who practices, okay? So whosoever practices sin then consistently goes against the law, the commandments, or the Word of God, for sin is the transgression or going against the law, the commandments, or the Word of God. So we're talking about someone who practices sin, and a true born-again believer does not practice sin. All right, so that was two amens. Let me try it again. A true born-again believer does not practice sin. Amen. Never. Now, let's keep reading. Verse 5, and you know that he was manifested. The word manifested there means revealed. Uh, this is why he came, right? He was disclosed or uncovered. And you know that he was manifested, watch this phrase again, to do what? Take away our sins. Same Greek word. Which means to, this is why he came, to do away with, to remove, to carry, and to put away our sins. Okay? We'll go real slow with this today. So this is why he came, was to put away our sins. So if he put them away, then we don't have them anymore. And we cannot struggle with something that we don't have unless we have it. So you either have it or you don't. Let's keep reading. Verse 6 or verse 5. And you know that he was manifested to take away, carry away, put away our sins. Watch this now. And in him there is no sin. And so when a person becomes born again, they are immediately in him. Right? And if in him there is no sin, and I am in him, then in me there is no sin. Need a little bit better amen than that. All right? And so what will happen is if, if we teach it this way, people can actually believe it this way. See, what we tell people is you're not going to get rid of everything right away. Where did we get that from? I'm going to show you that's a lie from the pit of hell today. And we make people feel good in their situations because we tell them it takes time to get sin out of your life. I'm telling you, it doesn't. It takes believing. A little bit better, amen. All right, watch this now. Now we're going to get some keys to this. Whoever abides. This word abide means to continue, to dwell which really denotes to live there, to endure, to be present, and to remain in him does not sin. So now we're talking about the person who gave their life to Christ and stayed in Christ. And they continue to grow in their salvation, not just go to church. 
Stay with me today. All right, please don't. Uh, I pray that you get this today. You'll never struggle with sin another day in your life. You'll look at sin like it's the weakest thing you've ever seen in your life. And you'll see yourself as a bully over sin. Not because you're a bully, because the God in you has already defeated it and carried it away from your life. That's good news for anybody that, that wants to receive that. Watch this now. So we're talking about the one that this, this, this has staying power. They live in this. They continue in this. So, so this is the person that, see, this is not someone who is in church this week, not in church. Come on, somebody. Say, not saved. Come on, at church one week, at the club the next week. I'm on a sabbatical. I'm going to take a little break from God. Come on, somebody. How do you take a break from God? Listen to me. You either are or you're not. You're either growing in this or it's being leaked out of you. Everybody clear on that? So now, let's keep going. So now, whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoa, but watch this. Whoever sins has neither seen him. That word seen there is so important. In the Greek, it literally means experience. So what he's saying is there's no way to experience God through Jesus and continue in sin. When you've tasted and seen how good God is, you never want to go back to where you came from. Come on, somebody. When you know that he's healed you, he's delivered you, he's provided for you. Come on, somebody. He's met all of your needs. He's given you a job. He's put a roof over your head. Come on, somebody. He's paid your bills. He's blessed you with a spouse. He's graced you with children. Whatever God, when you've tasted and seen, you've experienced God for yourself, there's no way to practice sin. Come on, has anybody experienced God for themselves? Man, God has been so good to me, I would never want to go back to that foolishness. So he says here, whoever sins, who practices sin, has neither seen him nor known him. The word known there means to be sure, to absolutely know and understand. See, we can insert him for themselves. One thing to come to church, it's another thing to have a relationship with God for yourself. And folks, that doesn't happen in church. That happens when you leave church. You find out the level of the relationship when you leave. By what you listen to, what you watch, and who you hang out with all week long. And, folks, I submit something to you today. There's no condemnation in him. You're receiving this when you're in him. I submit this to you today. If you have nothing to do with him again until next Sunday, you have no relationship with him. All the non-believers, be quiet. Some of y'all I thought would say something there didn't open up your mouth. Let me try that again. I said, all the non-believers, just stay quiet. Everybody else, give God glory in this place today. Now, I know, folks, I'm presenting truth to you today. 
But it's my job. It's not my job to be your friend. It's my job to love you and tell you the truth. And if you leave here today, you don't touch this book. Hello, somebody. You spend no time in prayer. You have nothing to do with him until I see you again next Sunday. You have no relationship with him. Thank you all for the level of enthusiasm in here today. I'm telling you, I have not been in a church that was this excited in a long time about the Word of God. This is just lighting my candle today. It's so much energy and fire in here right now. I don't know what to do. I just want to leap off this stage and walk the, walk the chairs today. It's, it's so much excitement in here today. Let's keep going. All right. So he made that clear, didn't he? Verse 7, he said, little children, see, let no one deceive you. Don't let anyone seduce you and cause you to roam away from God by telling you you can practice sin and still be saved. See what we just read? So we should understand practicing sin and making a mistake is two completely different things. See, see, if I'm having sex every week, I'm practicing sin. The light is in my eye. I can't really see anybody. I can't see nobody. So just keep looking up at me. If you do this or you do that, right? I'm married and I'm having adultery. That's practicing sin. If I'm cussing every day. Because you have a lot of Christians that say, I'm a cussing Christian. Show me that in the Scripture. No, you're either a cussing sinner or you're a Christian. I know you don't hear this level of truth often, but I'm telling you, I'm not backing down. Ever. I don't care if I become the least popular person in the world. I don't care if it's just me, my wife, and my kids left. I'm telling you the truth. So don't let anybody seduce you. Watch this now. New King James Version. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. But he who practices sin is of the devil. Tight, but it's right. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. So I need you all to be clear. (laughs) Either I'm saved or I'm not. I'm not a good person in the middle. Hello. I'm not out here hurting nobody. I'm not shooting nobody. I'm not trying to. Hello. But are you growing in your salvation? All right. Verse 7. Little children, don't let anyone deceive you. Verse 8. Who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. Watch this now. For this person purpose was the Son of God, what? That he might destroy. It's why he came. This is why he was revealed. So that he could loosen and dissolve and break up and put off the works, the toil, and the effort of the devil. We know that the devil's primary job is to try to get you to sin. And we just read that the reason and primary purpose for why Jesus came was to destroy that effort. 
So if Jesus destroyed that effort, Satan has no power in your life. We give him too much credit, folks, for somebody who really is trying to bite people with no teeth. All his efforts should be tickling us instead of antagonizing us. You all want a little bit more of this today? That's why he came, to destroy every effort that the enemy tries to use to put sin in front of you. I see a couple of people falling asleep. I'm, I'm about to have a Dr. Mike Freeman moment. Elbow your neighbor and tell him, neighbor, if you get the napping, I'm going to get the slapping. <laughs> now, now slap him upside the head and tell him to wake up. Just push him upside the head tell him to wake up. About to miss some truth that's getting ready to change your life for the rest of your life. You all want a little bit more of this? Look at verse 9. Whoever has been born of God, real plain, does not practice sin. That's real clear, isn't it? We can insert the word practice because it's been inserted the entire context, right? He or she who is born of God does not practice sin. Why? For his seed. See, there's a Greek word, sperma, something sown remains in him. Now, how many of you know we all became born again through the Word of God? Right? The Word of God was sown into our hearts, and that's how we got saved. Right? And, and so, literally, he's saying if that remains in a person, it's impossible to practice sin. But he wouldn't say that then if it wasn't possible for the Word to be taken out. Mark chapter 4 tells us, right, anytime the Word has been sown, immediately Satan comes to do what? Tries to snatch that word that's been sown in your heart. Through what? Persecution, affliction, trials, right? Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, lust of the world, pride of life, right? Five primary things that he used. All right, I can see how you all are looking to me. Go, go, go to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. The Lord led me this way in the first service. 1 Peter chapter 1. Look at verse 23. Let me show it to you another way. Folks, you've got to understand, if there's not enough power in the Word of God to, to really address sin, what are we doing? That's what Paul was saying there. If it didn't happen, then we're still all in our sin. But isn't he saying the opposite of that too? If it did happen, we don't have sin. Folks, I'm here to tell you, I don't practice sin in no area of my life. I didn't tell you I didn't make mistakes. I don't practice sin in any area of my life. So I know the Word of God has enough power. I'm about to go out on a limb. And it has enough power at the moment of salvation. So you know what they tell It's like what they told me after you get saved. It's going to take a little time for you to kind of. I'm telling you, it takes no time. It takes believing. And there's enough power at the salvation experience to drive weed out of your life, alcoholism. I'm, I don't care what, whatever the strongest addiction is. There's enough power in the seed of the Word of God to remove it from your life. Alternative lifestyles, come on, gender issues. There's enough power in the seed of the Word of God to make you what you were designed to be. 
Somebody ought to shout glory for that in this place. Okay, 1 Peter chapter 1. Let's look at verse 23. See if it'll bear me out. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, decaying seed, but of incorruptible, immortal, through the what? Word of God, which is alive and it lives forever. Which means, folks, there's enough life in one word from God to stay with you throughout all of eternity. And you never have to go back to where you came from. Come on, I need five people that believe that in this building today. Come on, please get an understanding of what I'm telling you today. You never have to go back to where you came from while at the same time growing in what you now believe. Okay? Go, go with me to Mark chapter 4. It's not in your notes, not in your outline. I'm just being led by the Holy Spirit as I was in the first service. Mark chapter 4. Look at verse 23. You get there, say amen. Mark chapter 4, verse 23. If anyone has ears to hear, let him what? Then he said to them, take heed what you hear. Pay attention to what you hear. With the same measure you use it, it will be measured to you, and to you who hear, more will be given. Which is why you must teach your children and yourself, it's not just beats you're listening to, it's words behind those beats. And what the devil is trying to get you to do is formulate words because words have creative power to bring to pass in your life what it is that you're saying, good and bad. So he said, pay attention to what you hear because the more you use it, that's a whole nother lesson. For whosoever has to him more will be given. But whosoever does not have, interesting here, even what he has, look at this, will be taken away from him. So what you see in here is that the seed of the Word of God can be sown into your heart. But when you don't use it, you lose it. Right? First Peter and Hebrews tells us in another place, right, the way that we can tell the difference between those who are on milk and meat, right? They've exercised their senses through usage to both discern good and evil. So you can see the more you use the Word of God, your discernment comes up. So the more usage, the higher the discernment. Right? So the more you use the Word of God, you can see that foolishness coming a mile away. Right? You said, been there, done that, not getting ready to pay this bill again. Right? You can see the opposite sex coming a mile away and say, you know what? Nah. <laughs> All right? You see it a mile away. Why? Because usage will increase your discernment. But you see what I just read? If you don't use it, that's why coming to church is not enough. Do you study your Bible? Do you read it on your own? Do you have a devotion life? Don't everybody shake your head and say amen. No, nah, do something. Smile. Show me your teeth. You all want a little bit more of this? Let's keep reading it. Let's keep going. Verse 20, 
6. He said, the kingdom of God is as a man should scatter seed on the ground, should sleep by night and rise by day, and the seeds shall sprout and grow. He himself does not know how, for the earth yields crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, then the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Look at verse 30. Then he said, to what shall we liken the kingdom of God, or with what parable shall we picture it? It is like a mustard seed, which when it is sown on ground, is smaller than all seeds of the earth. Now, we have to assume that it's the right kind of ground, right kind of soil, really referring to the conditions of a person's heart, that it can do the rest of what he describes here. But when it is sown, it grows up and becomes greater than all herbs, shoots out large branches so that the birds of the air may nest under its shade. So this word then has the ability to grow up to such a place, folks, where not only does it bless your life, but your life becomes a large tree that shoots out branches that now other people can come and lodge on your branches and the life and victory that God has given you, he'll use it to sustain other people. That's how powerful the Word of God is. If you get the seed of the Word of God sown into your heart about finances, it'll grow you up so much that not only will you pay all your stuff off, you'll be looking for somebody else to bless and pay, pay their stuff off. And you can apply that to any area of your life. It'll put so much health in your body that you've got to get to a hospital and lay hands on folks because you want to get all this extra off of you. Come on, somebody, and bless people who aren't developed enough to bless themselves yet. That's how powerful this word is. Go back to 1 John chapter 3 and look at verse 10. And so it's real clear. I call this the line of demarcation. It's real clear. I call it the line of demarcation. Single people, listen very carefully. Unmarried people desiring to get married again, listen very carefully. Right? Remember, usage will increase your discernment. Here's a test of your salvation. Okay, watch verse 10. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are revealed. I don't know if they, I'm trying to figure out how saved they are. Well, if you're trying to figure that out, they're probably not too saved. Come on, let me get a little stronger. You got to beg them to come to church. Anytime you bring up God, that offends them. I don't want to talk about that right now. Why are you bringing that up again? I just want to have a, come again, we just have a good time. As soon as you leave church, they go put on music that takes out every word that was placed in your heart. Then they want to take you places that God can't go in. And you still trying to figure out who they are? They're showing you every day who they are. Okay, watch this. Let's keep reading. It's good stuff right here. Pastor, you're doing good today, Pastor. <laughs> pastor, thank you, Pastor. Oh, Pastor, man, you love me so much, Pastor. So in this, the children of God and the children of the devil are revealed. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. 
real clear. Nor is he who does not love his brother. How do you want to discern who you're with? Who you're hanging with? What are they practicing? That's how you know. Never listen to what people say. Watch what they do. Because what they do will always be stronger than what I'm going to change. I'm changing. I, I went to church today. I'm a different person. Let's get out a little time. I listened to T.D. Jakes last night on TBN. He preached a powerful message. I'm a changed woman. Let's get out a little time. How do you discern? What are they practicing? See, if you're sitting in this room today, that's how you know who you are. By what you practice. Now, that'll encourage you and lift your heart if you practice righteousness. But if you're going there trying to figure things out, that's okay. That's the spirit of God convicting you. Because today is your day. Because he loves you so much. He said, I'm not going to let you go through life deceived any longer. I sent you a man that's going to tell you the truth and not be afraid of you. Saved people don't sleep with people they're not married to. Come on, don't pity. Come on, don't pity Pat out there. What, what's all of this? Somebody ought to say, that's right, Pastor. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Saved people don't do that. Married folks don't sleep with people they're not married to. Not saved married folks. Unsaved married people do that. And they practice it. See, when it gets quiet like that, you make me want to just come down off this stage. All right, I just feel like we upset the kingdom of darkness. I feel like we didn't upset the devil. Come on, I feel like all the demons in hell right now just balling up their fists like, come on, let's, let's split hell wide open. Come on, somebody give God a good praise in this place today. Come on, give God a good praise in this place today. This is how we know. I don't care what kind of car they drive. I don't care how much money they have. I don't care what kind of house they live in. Hello, somebody. It's how you know who they are by what they practice. I don't care what they tell you. I play for my church. I sing for my church. I dance. I'm in the dance. Oh, that, oh, yeah, that's all right. I want to see what you do when you leave church. I want to see who you are on Monday. I really want to get around to Friday. I want to see where you're going on Friday. See, because Sunday cannot be a place where you just come to get Friday and Saturday off of you. 
So I want to get all the week off of me. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. Listen to me, folks. Saved people don't live that way. Do I have any saved people in this building today? Let's close. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Let's close right here. Did you all get anything out of this today? This is just point number two. The good news comes next week. Now we're going to see the victory that all of this provides for us when we live in the freedom of what he's provided for. You'll never be broke another day in your life. You'll never have a need that will go unmet. When sickness tries to attach itself to your body, it will die instantly. Listen to me, folks. Your marriage will work. Your children will live saved lives. You'll own everything, your cars, your home. Come on, somebody. When you get serious about your salvation and stop coming to church. Keep coming to church, but when you leave church is when your real salvation starts. Who are you when you leave? That's who you really are. That's what I tell my kids all the time. You're not, you're not who you are when you're with your parents. You're who you are when we're not around. And I always tell them, you're not going to be with us the rest of your life. That's who you're going to have to live with, who you really are. So you might as well be in private what you want in reality in public because we're all going to see it one day anyway. When ain't nothing working for you, we're going to know why. Good stuff, isn't it? Second Corinthians, let's close right here. Let's prove something I said earlier. Verse 17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that's us that are truly saved, he is a new creation. Of course, we're talking about on the inside, right? We're talking about a, a born-again, recreated spirit. His spirit comes to live on the inside of us, and we get a new nature. But watch this language here. Old things are passed away. The word passed away means die. So that means that old life of sin, whatever and whoever we used to be, at the point of salvation, the seed of the Word of God is strong enough to destroy and kill everything that you used to be. Every addiction, come on somebody, every drug, the seed of the Word of God is more powerful than any 12-step program you can go through. Come on somebody. And I know this to be true in my life because the next time I slept with somebody was my wife on our wedding night eight years later. And I've never violated our marriage covenant 20 years later. 28 years later, I went from being a womanizer, hello somebody, to a one-woman man that I love this woman for the rest of my life. Come on, somebody. And I ain't going nowhere. Glory to God. Nowhere, glory to God. Never, ever, 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 ever. Because the seed of the Word of God is just that powerful. It'll stop lying in its tracks. It'll stop drinking in its tracks. Come on. Only reason you're struggling is because you don't know you don't have to anymore. That's why I'm telling you this. Watch this now. Old things are passed away. 
But behold, all things become new. That word become there denotes process. So even though I'm born again, my old life died, but my new life is a process of becoming new. The more I learn, the more I grow, the more I do, but I never have to go back to what I came from. I don't have to be saved one day, not say I'm free, I'm in bondage, pray for me. Hello, somebody. That's schizophrenic. That's not God. Hello, folks. You've been lied to. We've been hoodwinked. We've been bamboozled. That is a lie from the pit of hell. You don't have to struggle. Up one day, down the next, say, not say, uh, pray for me. Uh, The devil is after me. Uh, The devil is busy. The devil is a defeated, no tooth. Come on, somebody. Lacking power clown. And he's not even a part of the equation. Why do we even talk about him? So the fresh and the new is a process. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ Jesus. And he's given to us a ministry of reconciliation. Reconciliation means restoration to divine favor the same way he used Christ to restore us back to favor and reconcile us to him. He's now given us the ministry to go out to the world, hello somebody, and restore a lost and dying world back to him and let them know that he favors them, he loves them, he wants to bless them, he can deliver them from sin, he can change their lives, he can clean up their marriage. Hello somebody. That's how you know. See, these are all ways to know if I'm saved. Am I out sharing what he's done with me for other, with other people? Or am I just going to church? That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Here's a nugget for you. Not imputing. The word imputing means to take inventory or to number their trespasses or sins. So what he's saying is if God didn't deal with you after your sins, he didn't make your sins a part of the equation, then when you go to minister his good news to other people, then don't you use sin as a part of the equation. Spend more time talking about how good God is, what the Word of God can do in their life. Share your testimony of how God brought you up from a miry pit. Come on, somebody. He set your feet on solid ground. Come on, somebody. Come on, tell them how you were once lost, but now you're fine. Come on, tell them how you were blind, but now you see. Come on, tell them that you have tasted and you have seen that the Lord is good, and He wants to be good to them tell people they already know what they're doing wrong. People want to hear about how good God is. Hallelujah. What he did for me, I know he can do for you. Come on, has God been good to anybody in this building? Oh, man, that's all right for I said, has God been good to anybody in this building? Come on, can anybody think about what their life was like before they gave their life to Christ and what it might be like had they never given their life to Christ. Come on, God has been good to us. Glory to God. And he's committed to us the word of reconciliation. And any word of reconciliation that he's ever given us for other people 
is always going to restore them and never condemn them. Are you, I don't care how dark their situation is. It's going to give them hope in a good God that can bring them out of a bad situation, right? Put them in a position and nobody will ever know that they ever went through what they went through. So you never know, folks, that I was in gangs, breaking in houses, stealing cars, womanizer, drinking alcohol. You never know that today. Because there's not a stain of it in my life today. And I can stand here before you now and tell you I've wronged no man. When I did those things, I was ignorant. Once I came into the truth, I never returned back to ignorance. And you don't have to either. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, representatives. Though God, we're pleading through us, and we implore, we pray, we make a request for you on Christ's behalf that you would be reconciled back to God. Let's all stand to our feet. I want to pray for every person in this room today before we read verse 21. Come on, lift your hands to the Father right now. I want to pray for every person in this room. I don't care what your situation is or what your story is. I want to obey the word that we just read. I want to employ God on your behalf today. Father, I pray right now for every person in this room that the days of playing church and playing with God are over. And Father, people will make a conscious decision today to either be saved or not be saved. But don't play in the middle somewhere. And so, Father, I pray that the eyes of every person's spirit or spiritual eyes will be enlightened today. We know that Satan has blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the glorious light of the gospel would shine unto them. Father, the light of your word gives interest into our hearts. Your word was sown. The seed of your word was sown in the hearts today. And my prayer, Father, is that today will be someone's defining moment in this building where they draw a line in the sand. And they step over on the other side. And they wholeheartedly give their lives to Christ. And they grow in that salvation and never look back from this day forward, Father. Somebody will come back to Christ today and stay there. Never, ever going back and forth ever again. That is my prayer for this congregation on today. Anyone listening to the sound and authority of my voice through the spoken word of God. Satan, I take authority over you right now. You have no place in any of their lives. You are a defeated foe. You have no part, no place in this altar call. In Jesus' name. Look at verse 21. Let's close. I want you to see it with your eyes. Pick up your device. Pick your Bible up. Look at verse 21 or look up on the screen if we can put it up on the screen. Verse 21 says... For he made him who knew no sin, which means he was innocent. We're the ones that are guilty and were guilty. For he made him to be sin, or a sin offering is another way that we can look at that. So that means the sins of the entire world, he put that on his son. And I need you to understand something today. He didn't put that on his son so that you could struggle with sin for the rest of your life. He put that on his son so that you could be free from sin for the rest of your life. And any time that you've been enlightened 
and you return back to that, it's no different than the pig wallowing in its own mud. It's no different. I'm encouraging you today. Make a conscious decision because there's so much victory on the other side of a right decision. He said he made him to be sin who knew no sin. He was innocent. Made him a sin offering for us. Why did he do that? So that we could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. God wanted a relationship with you so bad that he was willing to, to put his own son to death, put the sins of the entire world right on his back so that you could be in a right relationship with God, so that you could come to him boldly, boldly get any prayer that you'll ever have answered, any need that you'll ever have met. That's why he did it, so that you could live eternally in a right standing with God. Because sin doesn't have a part of this. There's nothing that can ever remove your standing with God unless you walk away from it. So now while every head is bowed, every eye is closed in prayer, no one moving, no one talking unless you've been assigned to do so. Today is the day of salvation. Today is your defining moment. Today is your one shining moment. Draw a line in the sand today and determine which side you're going to be on. So if you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, I want to pray for you today. If you want to give your heart to Christ, become a child of God today by receiving Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life. I want to pray for you today. If you are saved, but you and I both know you've left God, you've gone out there, you know it more than anybody. You're living a life that's contrary. You're living a life where you're practicing things. You and your heart know that more than anybody except God. And God spoke this word to your heart today so that you could change. So if you want to come back to Christ today, rededicate. You want to repent from that behavior. I want to pray with and for you today. If you've never been baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, Bible evidence, praying in other tongues, you want to learn more about that gift today, I want to pray with and for you. And then if you don't have a church home, but you believe God has led you to linked up church, We'll be happy to receive you today. We'll pray for you every single day of our lives. Every time you come in this building, our goal is to make sure that you get the uncompromised Word of God and the Word of God only. So now, once again, while every head is bowed, every eye is closed in prayer, this is your moment between you and God. Search your heart. Let the Holy Spirit search your heart and know your ways. Follow what He's leading you to do today. You want to come to Christ? I want to pray for you. You want to come back to Christ? I want to pray for you. You want to get filled with the Holy Spirit? I want to pray for you. You want to join Linked Up Church? I want to pray for you. But I only know that you desire my prayers by the lifting up of your hands. So if you would, right where you're standing right now, would you just shoot your hand straight up in the air? Lift it up. Keep it up as high as you possibly can. God bless you, young lady. God bless you, young lady. God bless you.